listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. An elderly lady walked into the sanctuary one morning and she said to the elder who was also the chief usher, she said, I'd like to sit down on the front row. He said, oh, no, you wouldn't. Our pastor is so boring when he preaches Everybody falls asleep, and that would be embarrassing for you to be on the front row snoring. And she was taken back, and she said, Sir, do you know who I am? He said, No, ma'am. She said, I'm the pastor's mother. And he was startled, and he said, Ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, I have no idea. And he said, Thank God. This morning, you got to hear from somebody else other than your favorite preacher. And I want to talk to you about being adventurous. The title of the sermon this morning is Buckle Up, Buttercup. Turn and tell somebody, Buckle Up. You got to get ready. Um, In December, this doesn't happen every year, but More than not, the Lord will begin. I'm wired prophetically, and as I pray, the Lord, often I can see what's coming or have a sense of how to be prepared for what's coming. In early December, the Lord spoke to me clearly one morning that 2023 was going to be a year of adventure. Everybody say the word adventure. Say it. Adventure. And as I began to lean into it the next couple of days praying about it, the Lord began to expound. And I want you to listen because I I feel like this is a word for this house as well. Adventure is something that when you're on an adventure, you like early stages, you don't want to be on it. You would opt out of it if you could. And it's like riding a roller coaster. And I remember at 11 years old, when I conquered my fear, I didn't like roller coasters until I did. And when you're on a roller coaster, you climb that hill and you're barely making, and then you hit, and it's like the, the tracks just, they like, go, they just go away. They're not, they, and you fall. And you feel like, I'm going to die. And you almost do. You literally almost do. Your stomach's up in your chest. And, and then you come out of it. And you go, wow, that was awesome. Almost dying is awesome, especially when you don't. Can I get, that's, and the Lord began to speak to me about 2023. And I was like, Lord, and being on an adventure is just like a roller coaster for me. When you get off of it, you're, the first thing you do is go, man, that was awesome. Let's do it again. And you do it again. But when you're in that free fall and you're in that season of, You feel completely out of control. And faith is the only option to trust God and his word. And many of you, we're in a season where our whole world, especially the Western world and our culture, we are in an adventure. And it feels like at times we're going to die. This thing, and, and not to be morbid but death is all never been like this all around us people we know and love virtually everybody in this room the last three years we've had somebody pass away connected to us or even in our family 
And, and we're in a season of adventure. And so you have to buckle up. The word adventure is an undertaking usually involving danger and unknown risk. To be adventurous is you have to be, it's being willing to take risk or to try out new methods, ideas, or experiences. Turn to your neighbor and tell somebody, God is calling you to be adventurous. Tell somebody. And just tell, and now, and then you respond, I'm ready. I, tell everybody, tell somebody for real, I'm, I'm, I'm buckled up and ready to go. Buckle up, buttercup. We're on an adventure. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, before you guys pull it up, this is Abraham, the father of our faith. Father Abraham and many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just pray. All right, so this is how it all, listen, this is how it all started. This is, Galatians says, the father of our faith. This is the first man God calls after the Tower of Babel, the flood. And so this is how he starts. And listen, first principles. How God starts something is how he sustains something. So we see in Abraham's life a template for how God works in all of the sons and daughters of Abraham's life. And so we see God initiates this relationship this way. Genesis 12, the famous Abrahamic covenant, we see him in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave. Let's just stop right there. Leave. That's the. So we start the whole faith deal with this word, leave. I think the New King James Version says, get out, leave. So here in the ESV or NIV, he says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into, and so we see, here's God, if you leave, here's what I'll do. I will make you, I, God, will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I, God, will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. New King James Version says, get out. Get out of your country. Now, everybody look right here. Some of you are stuck. It's more comfortable being in that place, and God is speaking to you. And there's a majority of people in this room. I sense it in the spirit. And as I prayed for this weekend, specifically for Sunday morning, some of you are stuck, and it's comfortable there. But there's more if you'll get unstuck, lose a little control, trust God, hear his voice, follow it. There's a lot, there's a lot more out there for you. And you at 42 years old, you've leveled it off, you're, 30, you're 401, your you're, you're retirement, you, things are, you, you, and you've leveled off post-COVID, and you're like, your whole goal is to settle back in to that place where everything's familiar. And God is telling somebody, mentally, the way you think, you got to leave that. You might have been 
a divorce and you've just been stuck for six years. You just, you can't move on. Job loss, pink slip. You've, you've accepted whatever your stuck place is and you've adapted to it. And God is saying to somebody in this room, I just feel it so strongly, leave, leave that place. He told Abraham, there was something, you got to get, a, I, what I want to do in you, I want to bless, listen to this, I want to bless the whole world through you. We're in this room because he left. He got out. God said, leave your family, leave your country. Some of you, there's some stuff in your family. We talked about it yesterday morning. You've got to leave that. Let it go. Get out. And more importantly, get that toxicity. Let God get it out of you. The only way he can do it is if you leave that old pattern of thinking. You leave that place where you're stuck. Somebody just shout, get out. Yeah. It's time to get out. Now, because God is mysterious, he, he works in ways that human minds can't understand. Because God is mysterious, people who get to know him the way he wants to be known must be adventurous. You must be willing to risk potentially hazardous situations. So you buckle up in his spirit. You read his word, get you some manna every day. Hear his voice so you can venture out into what could be potentially hazardous. Times where it looks like you're out of control, God doesn't have you on his radar anymore, but you know he called you to leave that place so that he can take you through a situation that you literally feel like, I'm going to die, and then you don't. And then what you see after you don't die is just God blessing you, God raising you up, blessing your family, and blessing your whole world around you through you. God wants to do something so powerful in every single person in this room that your family, the people who know you best, would shake their head and go, unbelievable. Are y'all out there this morning? And if I could, I feel this so strongly, I gotta lay this down. If I could take every single person, one at a time in this room, I would wanna just prophesy directly to you because there, I don't know, every church on Sunday mornings, there's 70% of the people who go, he's talking to somebody else who's more spiritual than me, who's more qualified than me. God, I'm just a stepchild. I'm a grandchild. No, God doesn't have any stepchildren. Pastor BJ said, we've, we've been adopted. He doesn't have any grandchildren. Listen, you are his favorite. Turn and tell somebody, I didn't realize that, but I'm, I'm God's favorite. I mean, You've got to see it like that. I had a professor, Bill George, and we used to all laugh. And when he passed away, I commented, he made a way of making every one of the guys on campus at Lee feel like we were his favorite. And when we posted, uh, I, I posted a comment, Dr. Robinson. I said, all of us felt like his favorite. And I said, some of y'all are reading this comment right now, and you're going, but I really was. And that, that God, God wants you to know he's got you on his radar 
but you got to get out. You got to leave. Now, I want to move quickly. Here's what you need to know. The writer of Hebrews in verse 8, chapter 11 says this. Abraham had faith. He obeyed God when God called him to leave. And he left his home not knowing where he was going. How many of you just say, that sounds irresponsible. It just doesn't sound like something a spiritually mature person would do. Are y'all out there? But the father of our faith said, all right, God, I don't have to have all the details. And I pray this way, God, if you call me, just make it clear. Even if it's crazy, if I have clarity, I will do it. And the story of our life, ministry, marriage, and family has been he clarifies, we obey, and he blows our minds. And he's going to blow some people's minds in 2023 at DCC Church. All right, now, bring back some old stuff. I don't know if any of you have ever done the Henry Blackaby um, Experiencing God study. It was classic in the 80s and 90s. And experiencing God, Dr. Blackaby said that people who love God trust him. The people who trust him obey him. And the people who obey him experience him. The abundant life. Now, many of us, we don't have an obedience problem. We have a love problem. We don't have a trust. We don't love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And some of us, we love him and we trust him. But, oh, getting on that roller coaster, leaving, getting out. Moving forward, not knowing where I'm going, ah, it's hard. You don't have an obedience problem. you got to go all the way back. You have a love problem. You need to trust him more. And once you trust him, when he tells you to do it with clarity, move out. And then you'll experience him. And here's the beauty. The more you experience him, the more you love him. Is anybody out there this morning? Don't act like this is a 7 a.m. service. Y'all out there? Now, so the more you love him and you experience it, like you trust him at new levels. You obey him at radical levels. And you experience him at like heavenly levels. This is the way God wants us to walk in our journey. In that study, Dr. Blackaby gives seven realities for experiencing God. I'm going to move through them quickly. So you may want to take a picture or... I can send you the notes or we can post them later. Number one, you have to understand God is always at work around you. Number two, God pursues a continuing relationship with you that is real and personal. Number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. I want to just pause and just say amen after I read them. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to reread number three. God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Not your work. Come on, somebody say amen. Number four, God speaks. How many of you ever heard the voice of God? I heard the audible voice of God this morning. Anybody ever heard the audible voice of God? Not many of us. You're getting ready to hear it. Y'all ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, y'all hearing it? This book is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It speaks. And when you read it out loud, you are hearing 
the audible voice of God. Are y'all out there? God speaks. You ever fasted? I fasted for 40 days a couple of times. And somebody said, man, do you, do you hear God all the time that much? I was like, when you go without food for about five weeks, you hear all kinds of things. And God starts speaking. How many of you are thankful we have a God who is alive, knows where we are, and speaks English or whatever our native language is? You, we forget this stuff. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Number five, we're going to come back to this. Everybody look. God's invitation for you to work with him always, always, always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Somebody say amen. amen. Number six, you must then make major, major, major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. Number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. All right, now let's go back to number five. That's seven awesome steps that you ought to post somewhere that you see regularly. But number five, God's invitation for you to work, to leave, get out, God's invitation always leads you to a crisis of belief. And that's where we are as a world. Pastors right now are being exposed. Many of them don't have courage. Pastors today, they're shrinking back on doctrine that we've, 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 that's been true for 2,000 years. Pastors in America are afraid to call sin, sin. They're afraid to identify on these critical cultural issues. We're at a crisis of belief. Thank God you have a steel spine pastor who still believes the word of God is infallible, inerrant, and it's still true all places at all times for all people. You should be thankful. Some some communities, they got to drive a ways to find a church that has a Bible that will preach the word of God with tears in their eyes. Has a pastor who will preach it like that. But you have one. But it leads us all to a crisis of belief that requires us to put our money where our mouth is. Faith and action. This is the season. Now, what do you do when you're in a season like our world is in right now? Um, Michael, Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost wrote a book called The Faith of Leap. Yep, the faith, not the leap of faith, the faith of leap. And it's a great read. They wrote, read it, wrote it about 15 years ago. And in there, they identify a season that we call a liminal season. I don't know if you've ever heard this word, but it's a great word to describe crisis of belief seasons. And a lim liminal season is this, a threshold experience when you are in between. You're neither here nor there. It is composed of a combination of danger, marginality, disorientation, or an ordeal that creates what you don't like, tension, in a, another thing we don't like, a transitional stage between what was and what is to come, a liminal season. Would anybody, would you all, how many of you feel like, as a world, we're in a liminal season? Like what happened three years ago, this whole COVID thing, and the, the deception, and the, 
intentional misleading. We don't know who to trust. News is no longer news. It's indoctrination. That we're being manipulated and lied to. We're the guinea pigs in the lab. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if we've ever been in a liminal season, like, every, everything's changed. And we don't know, really, we're not truly in a post-COVID situation. We think we are, and then we're told we're not. And, and so where we are is we're in a situation that it's a crisis of belief. And when you're in a liminal season, a liminal season creates tension and frustration. You feel disoriented. And you want to figure out somehow, i got, I got to get back in control of this thing, this thing. And in a liminal season, it's like when you lean back in a chair. You ever remember doing that as a kid in school or in Sunday school, even worse? And, and you, you, like, you find that perfect balance where you're like, oh, this is sweet. And you let your hands go. And then you, ah, you almost fall, but you lean forward and catch yourself. That's, that's what the whole world is doing right now. We almost fall. We can't hold on to the table. We're trying to find that place, and we're in a liminal season. And I just, I, I say this because they pinned exactly what we are, liminal season. There's so much I could talk to you about, but I don't have time. This liminal season is like a whole series for us in our church. But I want you to just understand, that's what Abraham was in. I'm not at home with my dad and mom. I'm not in my local town anymore. And I'm not where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just following God. And so in this liminal season, there's some adjustments we have to make in our thinking. First of all, we have to understand this is the Christian experience. Not being there and not being there. How many of you know we're aliens, strangers, First Peter chapter 2 says. We're, we're pilgrims passing through. But we, are, we know where we're going. We're just not there yet. Are y'all out there? Now, second thing is, it's discomforting, disorienting, and agitating. And for type A people and personalities that are CPAs and attorneys and engineers, this, is, this just doesn't sit too well with us. Thirdly, there's a strong desire that rises up to control. Trust yourself and your instincts more than God and his word. And we can't do that. We'll die if we do that. Fifthly, often God is at work arranging things to awaken his people and fulfill his plan in liminal seasons. This whole COVID thing, some churches are experiencing an awakening. And, and the timing of how when y'all moved into this building, the challenges you were facing, all that you went through, to get here, there were times, Pastor Rocky, you don't just move forward in the kingdom. God do great things and the devil just sit back and watch it. He's relentless. He's strategic. And he's stealth. He strikes to take people out. And he tried to take you out. He tried to take this thing apart before you began. To, and you almost died, but you didn't. Y'all are not out there with me. In Atlanta, if they don't, Get with me in the sermon. It adds like 20 minutes longer. Now, we got to turn this service over. Are y'all out there with me? You almost died, but you didn't. And if Satan had known you, he wasn't going to be able to take you out, he would have left you alone. But he didn't. 
And God turned that thing around. And he, he's using that thing that you went through, that bankruptcy that got you stuck, to teach you some things. God won't waste your pain. That divorce, what you went through in that first marriage, you ain't going to go through that again. Satan should have left you alone, but he wasn't smart enough to do that. And God's calling some people in this room to awaken in this season of liminality. Amen. Now lastly, if given a choice in a liminal season, most people would rather go back to the familiar, even if it is not God's will than to venture out into the unknown, uncomfortable adventure of moving forward in faith. You'd be like the children of Israel. Now, I'm getting ready to address some things that, that I feel like are specific. I changed this whole part of this sermon after praying for you all right here. In this season, um, how do we make it? In a liminal season. You don't just white knuckle it and chew your fingernails off to the bone. How do you make it? There's four things. The first thing is you embrace the liminal season. Just, just lean into it. Lean into it. You're not going to get all the details. You won't be able to control everything. In fact, you may feel like you're out of control. It's a time for you to get intimately close to the Father, to have your ears open to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you gather on Sundays, I tell our church, pay attention to the songs Alexis and the group lead you in. Pay attention to those lyrics. She didn't just, you know, go on howtoleadworship.com and pick out some worship set. Am I right? You pray over those things. When you started on that last one, do it again. I heard the first chord and I was like, oh my Lord Jesus. This is what we, do it again. We've seen you, we've seen you move. Do it again, Lord. How many have ever seen God move? And we're crying out, Lord, like Joshua. We're walking around these walls. They're going to come down in Jesus' name. You lean into it. Lean into Pastor Rocky's sermon. Chances are it's not his or Mandy's sermon. He's a praying man. They're praying people. They lead spiritually. They don't go on sermons.com and steal somebody else's sermon. This man prays. And when he stands up, it's the oracle of God. It's the voice of Moses speaking. In, and don't you murmur and complain and critique his sermon. You sit back and go, God, speak to me. And the reason this place is growing like it is is because the word of God is going out. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds, not proceeded, not came, but is coming out of the mouth of God. And in a liminal season, you've got to lean into that. You are not in control, but God is. You hear me? The sovereign God of the universe is very much in control. He wants you to trust him and follow him. Lean in. Embrace the liminal season. Number two, embrace the faith life. Somebody say faith. faith. Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hear me, somebody. The whole Western world, our idea of Christianity is we're blessed. And to be blessed means I don't need faith. 
I'm blessed and highly favored. Don't you hate those people? How you doing, sister? I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. You're just talking. But our, our, we like write Christian books on how to not need faith. If you put these three principles into place in your life, you'll be blessed and highly favored. No. The Christian life requires faith, and without it, it's impossible to please God. My Bible tells me faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. Things I can't see, taste, or experience, or feel, or touch. But I got faith. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Are you kidding me? Sounds like crazy, doesn't it? But faith will move mountains. Faith will bring walls down. Are y'all out there this morning? Let us embrace the life of faith. I, I just feel specifically, I picked on the men yesterday afternoon. I got to challenge you again. Man, it is out of your ability you don't have the skill set to navigate through this whole, or take your family or your finances or your faith. You're going to have to trust the Lord. Embrace faith, somebody. If you believe what I'm saying is true, say amen. Number three, embrace courage. Embrace courage. You were made for this. The Christian faith was made designed for worldwide epidemics and pandemics. We were designed for this. This is our moment. Embrace courage. Hear me, somebody. I can't preach this like I feel it. Start swinging for the fence again. Get out of the boat. You can walk on water if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Live life out on the edge. Attempt something right now so great for God if he calls you to it. So great for him that it's doomed to fail if he doesn't do it through you. Be crazy enough to believe people like the people under Joshua's leadership that if God says walk around the walls once a, week, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, the military strategy is we're going to walk seven times and shout, and then God's going to give us the city. Be courageous to believe God knows what he's doing, and that if you obey him, those walls will come down. Hear me, I'll tell you, God is with you. It's one of his names, Emmanuel. He is giving you every place of ground. You put your foot. God says, I will give it to you. He told Joshua three times in the first chapter, getting into the promised land was one thing. Then they had 31 battles they had to fight. How many of you know getting into the new building ain't the end of the battle? That's just the beginning. But you're going to have to learn to trust God. And if he says march around and shout, you do it. The walls will come down. He is with you. He is giving you, Pastor Rocky and Mandy. He is giving you, DCC, this community. The whole community. He's giving you this county. He's giving you favor. Swing for the fence. Men, don't let the culture and your weak faith domesticate you in this hour. Don't you shrink back. Men, Christian men need right now another wild at heart 
apostle, a, a man to rise up and call men like Marty did in the movie Madagascar. Anybody see Madagascar? It's one of the greatest sermons ever on Pixar movies. You know, it's a bunch of wild safari animals in a zoo in New York City. But they got crazy Marty, the zebra. And they picked the perfect voice, Chris Rock. I, can't, I wish I could impersonate him. And he tells, I forget the lion's name. Anybody remember? Alex, there it is. Hopefully there's no Alexes in here. Oh, there's an Alexis, but she got delivered. She, is it Alexis or Lexus? She's the female version, so it's, it's totally different. Y'all know women are made way more spiritually mature than us men. But Marty goes, man, we got to get out of here. And Alex, the lion, is like, but they feed us prime rib every day. This is the truth. And Marty's like, are you crazy? You were made more for more than fresh cut prime rib. There's an adventure. There's a safari out there. And they wind up in Africa, got shipped to the safari. And Alex is scared to death until they realize who they are. There's a bunch of men. There's a bunch of women. There's a bunch of Abrahams and Sarahs and Esthers and Joshuas and Calebs in this room. You don't let the church, don't let the culture domesticate you. I wish somebody lift up a shout of praise in this room right now. Rise up, men of God. Rise up, women of God, in this hour. Lastly, I want to bring your attention to this. How do you make it in a liminal season? I told you the first three, but don't forget, and this is very specific to your church. Embrace your community. Living in community is critically important and underappreciated. The Bible is written to people, not a person. Christianity is experienced in community, not isolation. Spiritual growth and maturity is developed in a group, a community where people are authentic and authentically led by people with integrity. Spiritual growth and maturity is developed where people are real, broken, and imperfect, but they love each other and they have the Spirit of God in them. Where people are being divided, Satan is at work. Where people are being unified, the Holy Spirit is at work. And where Holy Spirit is, is a place where people are unified. Community, the Latin root, com, means with. Unity means oneness. A community is a group of people that have oneness. And listen, what I'm about to say is, What's the movie, Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf, he looks and he sees the ring, the fruit that you're bearing, you've gotten Satan's attention. He doesn't like that. He will come against Destiny Community Church, but you all have got to appreciate what you have 
and be willing to protect it. Are you listening to me? Unity is the most underrated virtue that describes Christian groups, churches. We think, oh, it would be nice if we have. No, you can't. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but division will. So you fight to stay unified. The scripture says it over and over. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. Six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Here's the six. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. And the seventh is in a class all by itself. One who sows discord among the brothers. What, what God is doing here is, oh, I just feel the Holy Spirit just prompting me right now. If the people had supported Moses instead of listening to those ten spineless spies, Moses would have gone into the promised land too. But he was tired of dealing with divided, murmuring, complaining followers who said, at least back in Egypt where we were slaves, we had something to eat every day. And the leader would go, but you were slaves. God miraculously delivered us out of there. We're going somewhere. But no, they blame Moses. You brought us out here. It's your fault. We should have stayed back in comfortable Churchville. The Panther Palace was fine. We didn't need a mortgage and new property. Now we got to build a place for all the young people that are coming. Back there, they were, you know what, y'all hear what I'm saying? Pastor Rocky has not told me anything about this church. So when I preached yesterday morning, you could understand the Holy Spirit was speaking. I didn't know how it fit with the last two weeks. He hasn't, and I don't know any, as far as I can tell, there is wonderful unity in this place. But what I'm telling you is, you have to protect it. Psalm 133 says this. Behold, anytime the Bible says behold, it's God going, check this out. Sit up, pay attention. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, the high priest, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, there, God commands the blessing. God goes, I'm committed to get my blessing in that place. Everybody, if the children of Israel had known getting through the desert, just stay unified. They could have all enjoyed the land flowing with milk and honey. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Now everybody look right here. God says in this word right here, this short chapter, if the people will stay unified, the people who lead spiritually will be so anointed. Do you know what anointing is? It's God's capacity to do in a human what only he can do. You want this man and this staff, you want them dripping with anointing. And he says, if the people are unified, Hebrews 13, you should read it. Don't make their job hard. Make their job easy. Because Listen, your spiritual favor and blessing is in direct proportionate 
to how supportive you are of this man's vision that God gave this man. Your children and grandchildren's salvation can be determined of how well you support this man's vision. I keep saying, it's God's vision, but God gives Moses and Pastor Rocky his vision. And as you support it, here's what I tell our church, or told them. Pastors get up here and, and they do things that they can't do. God does it through them. And I call, you want your church leadership to have some drip. Y'all, do y'all say that down here in Newberry? Y'all know what drip is? Like chutzpah, moxie. You want him to have some swag. And it's not him or, or you, Andrew, or, or any of you. It's so underrated. If we could stay unified. And look what he said. He said, it's like the dew, hear me, that comes down. And everybody knows, meteorologists will tell you, the dew has more nutrients than the rain. And that when, the, when does the dew come? At night, in the dark, when you feel like we ain't going to make it. When's the devil come and mess with your mind the most? In the night. But God's sending dew. He comes, it comes at night. And guess where it comes from? Heaven. He says, it, the drip will be like dew. It comes in the dark times of life. And it comes from heaven. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Now, right now, division is at epidemic levels. People are divided about everything. It's beautiful to see a multicultural staff. It's beautiful to see here in this part of Florida, Newberry, outside of Gainesville. African American, Latino, Caucasian, Asian. It's beautiful. And it's God's plan. As the world is divided, the cross is the only place to have eternal unity, gathering under Jesus. Can I get a witness? And so, Pastor Rocky, will you come here just a second? John 10, please listen. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking something that I feel, I, I don't leave my church often on Sundays because I like being there. I'm a shepherd like this guy's a shepherd. I, I, I miss my church. And they need me because I'm their leader. The Bible says in John 10, my sheep know my voice. Sheep, not real smart animals. But they, they recognize their shepherd's voice. And the Bible says, and a good shepherd knows his sheep by name. Do you know Pastor Rocky and, and Mandy? I, I could tell them, somebody that came up and talked to me yesterday at one of the sessions, and I could describe them, and they go, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And then I would tell them the situation eight months ago, and he'd go, yeah, that's so This shepherd knows your name and you can be going yeah but he thinks he's all that now I mean look at him he's I tell everybody he doesn't have a gray beard it's chrome his is and he wears all those sweet shoes he's got shoe game and you know the church is growing and uh, but and you can 
This spiritual leaders in America, we are guilty until proven innocent. And as soon as God begins to bless your church, people around go, yeah, they think they all that. They're probably compromising. They're gimmicking, hype. This man hates that stuff. This is a shepherd. I know him. And, and so what you need to do as a shepherd, as a sheep, you need to go. When he preaches, do I hear my shepherd speaking? Because in a liminal season that requires, in a crisis of faith, faith and courage, obedience, you need to find your shepherd. I can see on your faces you're going, yep, I've heard him. That's my voice. That's the voice of my shepherd. And so when he, as a shepherd, has the flock, the ones that get plucked off are the ones out here goofing off in not isolation, but they ain't close. And, and the wolves get those sheep. And if I was a sheep, I'm a shepherd, I would be as close to him as I, and I, I'd be offending people trying to get close. I'd be like, Mah. excuse me, If I was a sheep, I'd be like Aaron and her. I'd be going, uh, Pastor Andrew, come here. Can you just jump up right here? You got, dive in. Just dive in, Andrew. Get on that side. Your family's favor and faith, your children and grandchildren can be reached. Every prodigal could, if y'all could do this, so that God could give him some drip. And that it would be so, he'd be so saturated that you would have it. You would have it. And Pastor B, all of you all, that your work would just have favor. And in this hour, how do we make it in the liminal season? We go to a church that's unified. He hasn't told me anything. And again, as far as I know, there is no division in this house. But don't let there be. Don't let there be. You can take your hands down now. Stay right here, Andrew. I want you here too. Don't let there be. Fleshly people's native language is criticism. Some people, they criticized Jesus, said he's an alcoholic. They called him a wine bibber, an alcoholic. Jesus. Some people's native tongue is no matter how good it is, they're going to, some people get to heaven barely. And they're going to go, gold? Why you got to waste it for the pavement? Like they had a better idea than God how he wanted heaven to be. Don't be one of those. Be one of those at Proverbs 18. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And listen, don't you just not be one that criticizes. Don't you let anybody criticize. You tell anybody, don't talk about my shepherd. I'm going to have to excuse myself from this conversation because you're taking away the drip over my family. I want my family to have drip. I want my family to... We're trying to reach a world for Jesus. We're trying to reach the whole community for Jesus. Our church is going to be anointed. They are truly going to sound like angels when they sing.
because we got drip in this church. Come on, if you love the Lord, you under. How many of you have received from the Lord this morning? Stand to your feet with me. Come on, all over the room. Would you just stretch your hands this way? Um, we don't have time. I got to let you go, but BJ, Lex, Alexis, all of you, all of you staff members, you leading the staff like you are now, just pray untold favor, anointing Andrew like you've never known, that you're, and you're a skilled guy, I can see it. You're a leader, confident in your own skin. But may God take you, I, I feel this, brother. May he take you to a, that you, Deanna, are going to go. Can you believe the favor, the anointing? May he give you sermons, your devotion. May he speak to you, give you the specific, perfect adjustments that you perfectly fit and compliment him. And he compliments you. As you honor him, he will honor you. And his honor is what you want. He'll bless you too because you know what kind of man this is or you wouldn't be here in this role. I just, man, I just, Holy Spirit, I get prophet, prophetic ends. DCC, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. You're just getting started. Look at this 9 a.m. class. Stretch your hands this way. We speak it over you too, Mandy. Honey, would you put your arms on Mandy? Lord, we just pray special Psalm 133 anointing in this liminal seat that Rodney got out he left years ago not knowing where you were calling them out of Tampa and then you showed him and here he has been serving his community faithfully I bless my brother come on brothers and sisters pray with me anoint him with an anointing from heaven give him favor may there be a Hebrews 13 spirit break forth in this church not only are we not going to make it hard for our spiritual leader, we're going to make it easy for him because we are in spiritual alignment and there is drip. Why would I criticize? Look at all these prodigals coming up in this parking lot. Look at all these prodigals running to the altar. Give us that kind of heavenly anointing, that kind of drip in this place. And we thank you, Father. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against this place. Neither will division, spiritual alignment, favor, blessing, anointing. In Jesus' name, let the kingdom of God come in destiny church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody. Say amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.